Hey folks, it's your pal Mike Shea from SlyFlourish.com, and I'm here with a special episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This episode's going to be quite different. We're actually going to be doing a post-mortem on an adventure on, on running a, a session rather than preparation for a session to come. So this will hopefully be a different approach. It's actually going to be talking about a few sessions of a game. I'm going to be talking about running Descent into Avernus, particularly Chapter 1 of Descent into Avernus. Uh, this show, like all of the shows here on Sly Flourish, all the articles on Sly Flourish, all the YouTube videos, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish at patreon.com slash slyflourish. You can help fund this show and fund all the equipment and bandwidth and all of the other costs and odds and ends that it takes to keep this show and to keep the website going. So I appreciate everybody who is able to support the show on Patreon. Thank you very much. Uh, patron backers, Patreon backers of Sly Flourish get access to a unique adventure, a, a an, an adventure just for them called Regnum Ratus, the Rat in the cellar. They also now get access to a private uh, channel on my Discord server, so we can go there and hang out, put your feet up on the table and stuff. Um, so yeah, normally I do this show as a uh, one-hour prep before I'm running a game, but I just, my, my Avernus game has moved to Friday nights, uh, every other Friday night, and I don't have time to do a prep show about it, but Descent into Avernus is popular enough that I thought it was worthwhile to talk about how to run uh, this adventure, or how I'm running it. Not how to run it. Everybody can run their own adventure however they want. But I think Descent into Avernus is an interesting one for a bunch of different reasons. One is it's a very popular adventure. Uh, if you look at a lot of different metrics, I like to look at how many reviews a, an adventure gets on Amazon as one potential metric. Uh, it is very popular. Many, many people like it. It is also rated very highly on Amazon. I also think that it has some sort of I mean, I'm going to be a little, I guess this is a little mean. It's got some structural flaws. And luckily, I think the biggest structural flaw is one that can be addressed relatively easily as long as you do it right in the beginning of the campaign. Uh, and I'll talk about that. Some people probably know what I'm talking about, um, but I'll get into that in a minute. Um, so I think that, yeah, it's got some, it's, it needs, it's an adventure that needs some work. More so than like Curse of Strahd or some other ones. Although um, now when I'm, you know, I'm looking back at a lot of other adventures and they all sort of have different uh, ways that you need to sort of steer the adventure to really make it run as smoothly as possible. Tomb of Annihilation has about three major things you need to do in order to make that adventure run as smooth as possible. Uh, I'd say the same is true for Waterdeep Dragon Heist. And uh, I think the same is true for Descent into Avernus. Uh, uh, um, uh, What's the Ghost of Salt Marsh? That one requires it too. They all require something, and and uh, Curse of Strahd requires yeah re also requires some work. Put my phone on do not disturb. So um, yeah, so I think that it is worth talking about Descent into Avernus in particular because I think it's got some um, some things that are that are that are going on there. So today we're going to talk specifically about running the first chapter of Descent into Avernus. And uh, my going in assumption, well, I guess we'll 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 talk about the the the, the specific cat hair, um, the specific um, change. What what do you need to do if you if you take nothing else from this video? I probably should have said this earlier, rather than three and a half minutes in. If you take nothing else from this video, uh, consider this uh, consider making this one change to Descent and Avernus to make it run better. And the, the thing that you can do to make Descent into Avernus run much better is to integrate the characters with Elturel. Uh, make sure that the characters are tied to Rhea uh, um, Mantlemorn. Make sure that they have a deep and important connection to the city of Elturel. 
and tie them to the Hell Riders. If you do those three things, you have really strong ties between your characters and the connection to this whole adventure. And it's something that will pay out dividends throughout the whole campaign. So if your characters from the outset care about El Terrell, care about Rhea Mantelmorn, and care about the Hell Riders or are part of the Hell Riders, uh, you're going to be able, all of a sudden, the main motivational problem for this whole adventure goes away. Because w- one of the really difficult things, I've seen a lot of feedback about this adventure from people, friends of mine and other people I know that have run it, where the players can get to a point where they're like, why am I here? Like, why am I doing this, right? And if you look at the structure of the adventure as written, it starts off with you getting recruited by the Flaming Fist mercenaries to deal with problems in Baldur's Gate. And then next thing you know, you're in Candlekeep and they're like, hey, you're level five, but we need to send you to hell to save this whole other city. And you're like, what do I care about El Terrell, right? Like, who cares? And why are you asking a bunch of level five people to go to hell? Go ask some level 17 people. See if that Drizzt guy will go do it. You know, get somebody else that's more appropriate for that than a bunch of level five dudes that just got rid of a bunch of thugs and cultists in a sewer, right? And um, I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but it's not far off from that. However, if you think about it, you turn that around and you have characters that saw El Terrell fall, that was their home city that was sucked into hell. Rhea Mantelmorn is their friend. They care about her, right? And she cares about El Terrell. And she is a lieutenant of the Hell Riders and they're connected to the Hell Riders. And she goes to them and says, they discover over time, holy cow, this dude stole our city and it's in hell. We need to go save it. You know, we don't have anybody we can ask. Will you come help me save El Terrell? The character's like, yes, I want to save it as much as anybody. And now the motivation is completely different and it makes a, makes a big difference. My hair okay? I don't think it's ever okay, but whatever. So... Yeah, so huge difference. It's not hard to handle, but you have to do it right in the beginning. So I talked about this in another episode of this show uh, where um, we ran, you actually run an adventure before you run the main book. And the name of that adventure is, uh, I think I've got a uh, a link to it. Uh, yeah, The Fall of El Terrell, it's called. And, oh, that didn't come out well. Um, Fall of El Terrell is an adventure that begins in El Terrell and has quests for the characters where they get to discover, uh, they get to, you know, they get to discover the cult of the dead three are doing weird stuff around El Terrell. And then when they go back to return to the city, the city disappears and they see it. And then we jump cut to them in Baldur's Gate as part of the refugees that are, are making their way out of there. So very different, uh, way to scope descent into Avernus. And at least so far, I've only run up through chapter one, but at least up through chapter one and the beginning of chapter two, that motivational difference has made a huge change to how this adventure runs. So it's something I, it's something I highly recommend. Um, so yeah, so today we're going to talk about, so that's my first recommendation. Do that, do that up front. And then my, uh, but today we're really going to talk about running the rest of chapter one. So from the time they get to Baldur's Gate to the time they make their way through through hell, or, you know, through the multiverse to hell where Avernus is, that that kind of encapsulates uh, chapter one. So we're going to talk all about that, uh, all about that today. Um, to uh, uh, as a as an aid, I have a uh, Descent into Avernus Session Zero uh, guide that I used for my players and my characters. I'll stick this in the the text chat for you fine folks on Twitch. And um, then there will be a link to this in the show notes below. So 
Uh, this is a good way, you know, this is something you could give your players before you're running this adventure that will steer them towards El Torel, steer them towards the Hellriders, and steer them towards Rhea Mantelmorn. Uh, it gets that connection. It sort of connects them up with their Cult of the Dead 3, and it really helps there. So that that is that is something useful. Um, so today we're going to talk about it basically from the point where the characters go to Elf Song Tavern. Uh, well, so let's start at the beginning of chapter one. And let's look at what's in the book. Inside the book, they start you off with getting recruited by the Flaming Fist mercenaries and having trouble getting into Baldur's Gate. I suggest, well, there are many ways to handle that, but one way I'm going to suggest is just skip all that. Have them get into Baldur's Gate. They can see that Baldur's Gate is a, is a terrible place and have them get to Elf Song Tavern and meet Rhea Mantelmorn again. Now, they've never met her before. They've met her before in, in our version. They haven't met her in the, in the book. Uh, and that's, again, where the motivation is different. They see Rhea, and Rhea wants revenge. She thinks El has been destroyed. She thinks the Cult of the Dead Three is responsible. She thinks Thavius Krieg destroyed it. She doesn't know why. She wants the characters to dismantle the Cult of the Dead Three and get revenge for the fact that El is gone. She has fallen in a dark spot, and she wants you to help uh, enact her justice uh, against the Cult of the Dead Three. And so when they go to the Elf Song Tavern, they meet Rhea. They meet Rhea's contact. Let me pull up the, uh, we'll get the adventure up here. There we go. Let's go up to the top. Uh, this is the D&D Beyond version of the, of the adventure. So we can look at the outline here. Basilisk Gate, uh, shortly after arrival, adventures are drafted. The flame. Skip all that. Elf Song Tavern, adventures question a spy named Tarina. Right, so Tarina is a could be a friend of Rhea Mantelmorn, like a contact, her contact, her, her her woman in Baldur's Gate, that can say, "I know where the Cult of the Dead Three has been going, and they've been going, they've been operating out of this bathhouse." If you want to know where the cult is and what's going on, you're going to want to go to that bathhouse. And that immediately you have that new strong connection that gets them right into the bathhouse. Then they traverse through the bathhouse, and uh, here we can run it much of the way. Uh, we can run it much of the way that we run the game normally um, and the way that it's written. They, they go, they hunt cult, cultists of the dead three. The main thing is what information the characters learn while they're going through the cult, while the, the dungeon of the dead three and fighting the cultists. And then at the end of the dungeon, they meet one of uh, Thalmara Vanthaper's sons, uh, Mortlock, and he can give them a bunch of information and gives them enough he gives them enough information to get them to the next stage of this adventure. Uh, the next stage is, so in the book, they have this whole section about the low, the low lantern, which is another sun. And we could just skip this, right? So I, I, I recommend just going straight from the dungeon of the dead three, getting the information they need. And there's three vital pieces of information they need to learn in the dungeon of the dead three that gets them to the next stage. A Favius Krieg, has been uh, is being sequestered off and being and being uh, escorted by Thalmara Vanthemper at her villa. He is there. He escaped Alterel and he's with Thalmara Vanthemper at, at, at Vanthemper Villa. B. He has a weird infernal scribed puzzle box that he brought with him, and and no one really knows what it is or what it does. But he's got that thing with him and it's noteworthy. Three. Uh, the Vanthempers hired the Cult of the Dead Three to excavate an artifact out of an old tomb beneath Baldur's Gate about six months to a year ago. When they went down to the tomb, the tomb was part of a family known as the Humes. And that family were part of a group known as the Knights of the Shield. And when they, and, and they mostly disappeared from lore and from memory, uh, but the Cult of the Dead Three was hired by the Vanthempers to dig, in, dig into their tomb and pulled out a shield. 
And that shield, or you, you don't even have to tell them that it's a shield, an artifact from the, the Hunes and from this Knights of the Shield. And that artifact is now with the Vanthippers somewhere in their villa or below their villa in, in the vaults below. And since that thing was brought up, uh, Baldur's Gate has been going to hell, both figuratively and literally. Those are the vital pieces of information they need to learn while they're going through uh, the, 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 the Dungeon of the Dead 3. Those are the seeds that lead us to the next part. And in my mind, the next part then is Vanthamper Villa. And this we can run sort of as a, a heist, right? Where the characters know that when they get to Vanthamper Villa, they need to um, find Thavius Krieg, who they believe is being held somewhere either in or below the villa. Uh, they need to get the puzzle box, which they know is somewhere in, on Vanthipper Villa, but they don't know where. So they need to find, they know that there's a puzzle box that's somewhere in Vanthipper Villa. And they uh, know that below the villa is this artifact that was dug out of the vault. And that they need to acquire all three of these things. And, uh, and in fact, Rhea tells them, I know Thavius Krieg is responsible for the destruction of El Terrell. Kill him, Right. So now you get a really interesting idea that like Rhea has fallen, kind of fallen from grace, right? That she just wants revenge and she wants the party to act as an instrument of, of her revenge. And they might be kind of, again, maybe we shouldn't kill them, right? Or whatever. Uh, so then they go to the villa and they deal with what's ever going on in the villa. They go under the villa and they deal with what's going under the villa. And then what they end up with is they've done something with Davis Creek. Maybe they killed him, maybe not. They've done something with Thalmara Vanthipper. Maybe they killed her, maybe they didn't. They acquired the puzzle box, which is vital. They have to acquire the puzzle box. And they acquired the uh, shield of the hidden Lord, um, which is also, it's not, I don't think that's required, but it's really interesting. And it's a big part of, um, it's a big part of the uh, adventure. So it's probably something you want to, you want to have happen one way or the other. So uh, at that point, when they have these things, they've done this stuff. They return back to the Elf Song Tavern. They talk to, uh, Rhea Mantelmorn and Rhea says, we need to figure out what's going on with this puzzle box and the shield. I know somebody, I've got a friend who is out at Candlekeep, uh, who deals in, she's not particularly well liked in Candlekeep because she deals with a lot of occult like stuff, but she's been a friend to the Hellriders before. She's been a friend to El Terrell and she'll help us out. And then you travel to Candlekeep. You can have an, an encounter on the way if you want. You could have another group attack. You could have either Cultists of Hewn, Cultists of the Shield of the Hidden Lord, try to get the shield back. You could have, um, uh, if you want, you could do the Cult of the Dragon just for fun. Eh, throw them, you know, can always have more cults. Um, so you could run some kind of encounter along the way. Uh, they get to Candlekeep. They have to have a book to get into Candlekeep. But one way of doing this is that something else they acquire could be the diary of Thalmara Vanthipper. And that's a really interesting diary because um, uh, that diary could have all of the corruption that she's done and everything at Baldur's Gate. That's a very unique book. The people at Baldur's Gate or the people at Candlekeep would be happy to take it. And that's one way in. Otherwise, they have to sneak their way in through some other tunnels and stuff like that. And the, the book, I think, has some other ways that you can sneak into Candlekeep. Uh, there's a really good supplement called El, El Minister's El Minister's El Minster's El Minster's Guide to Candlekeep. Um, and if you want to fill out your Candlekeep experience, this is a great uh, a great uh, supplement to do so. And I read it and I really enjoyed it, and it got me really thinking about Candlekeep, and it made Candlekeep a much more interesting place for me to bring up and describe. Even though I ran it very quickly, I think it was half a session. Like an hour that we spent in Candlekeep. Um, in Candlekeep, they go to um, uh, S 
Silvis, what's her name? I always forget it. Uh, Thelma, uh, um, Rhea's friend in Candlekeep. We open the puzzle box. We hear the contract that Thavius Krieg had with Zariel to give over Elturel. We learn some more of the history of Elturel. Why did he do that? Why did the companion come up? Silvara, yeah, thank you. Uh, Silvara says, um, you know, why are we going to do this? Uh, you know, why did Thavius Creek do this? You can learn about um, Elturel. You can learn about like the vampires that once ruled over Elturel and that that companion came to get the vampires away and that maybe that's why Thavius Creek did it. Um, and I have an interesting change there that I might talk about, which is what if instead of being 50 years ago, it was like 200 years ago, it was longer. And Thavius Creek has lived all that long. He didn't expect to live past, you know, his life, but he's been alive longer. It won't let him die. It wants him to see what happened and it sort of corrupts him over time. So his his uh, deal that he made has elonged, has elongated his life, has made him, made him live a lot longer. And he actually sees, and he was like, look, I did it for a good reason. We were all, like, Elturel was getting destroyed by vampires. And when I thought, sure, give it over to Zariel, A, how bad the gap be? It's already overrun by vampires, you know, and we got to do something. And then you know, he made a bad choice, right? It's more interesting than just he's evil. Um, so they get the... Um, uh, they get the puzzle box open, they get the clues, and she says, okay, now you got to talk to my other friend to get teleported into um, uh, to Avernus. And uh, I, I, I dig the other guy, the other wizard that's kind of out, he's outside of Candlekeep, he's, you know, has a tower that's far away from Candlekeep, and, uh, but he's an otter, right? He's permanently polymorphed himself into an otter, and he kind of likes being an otter. So he has this little, like, otter-like house where little shelves and little tables and stuff and big books that he sits in front of and reads <clears throat> i think that's really funny and um he uh he then teleports the characters from uh the sword coast to avernus to Elturel, and that is where the end of this chapter uh that's where this chapter ends so that to me is sort of like i, I tried to ab- abbreviate that um into how uh, yeah traxador right uh, and well, Zeraith here in chat says, Traxador is my favorite NPC so far. Yeah, it's really hard to hate an Archmage Otter. Um, he's a fun one too. I sort of played him off as he was like a gambler and he had bad debts and he thought the characters were debt collectors um, from from uh, Silvara. And then it's like, no, but Silvara will let you off the hook if you help us uh, teleport away. So you don't get to see him for very long. And then he like teleports over and then he sees like, oh, and he just disappears and teleports back. He's like, you guys are on your own. Good luck. And I thought that was kind of a funny, you know, it's a fun little interaction. So I enjoyed that. So that, that to me is uh, how, it's how I ran it. It's how I ran chapter one. And I got to say, like, A, I feel like I got a lot of value out of the book for, for this. Like, I feel like the adventure, the, the hardback adventure gave me good material to use. Uh, particularly with like the Dungeon of the Dead Three and with Vanthifer Villa, those were good, you know, good meaty sections of the book to help me out. I enjoyed the section on Candlekeep, and I thought that helped. So uh, the only parts that I thought sort of fell down was the whole, uh, the whole part of dealing with um, the um, the Flaming Fist mercenaries. It just it doesn't help, and it and it kind of puts the the character's motivation in all the wrong spots right away. Because, like, now they're already cynical. I already hate who I work for. And now I'm going to hate these other people that I work for who are asking me to go to hell to save a city. So it really steers the attitude of the adventure in the wrong way. And an easy way around that is just make sure the characters care about El Terrell, you know, um, before they before they get there. I think that that's, I think that that's really uh, a, a, vital, a vital piece. So um, 
Yeah, so I thought I would go, so that was just a quick outline, but I thought I'd go in a little bit more detail uh, about some of the things that I just talked about. Let me let me take a look through the chat. Uh, we've had some folks uh, in here in chat talking about Baldur's Gate. Um, yeah, a lot of people are interested in this. Um, yeah, a lot of people are playing Avernus. That's one of the reasons I want to do it. Uh, uh, I put the brother of one of the characters in, in El Terrell. That's a good way to do it. Any way that you can tie them to El Terrell can work. Uh, I brought up, I, I think it's, I think it works really well to have them tied closely with Rhea Mantelmorn because she can be this NPC who helps guide them along. She can be like their main quest driver and she has such motivation to do it. And her, that will be contagious with the characters. So I think that that really works. Um, one player attempted to open the puzzle box that didn't go well. Yeah, there's something really interesting about this. I'll tell you, I think that that's important and it's important that your character did this. Running for a party of seven with Fall of Elterel, thanks to Slides of Ice, has been slow going. Six sessions. Wow, six sessions for just Fall of Elterel. That's a long time. I kind of ran it. I think I ran it in one, right? And and yeah, I've been... So one thing is this game for me is an every other week game. We only get together every other week and I don't want to take forever. So I'm, I'm abbreviating and like slicing out pieces that I don't think are particularly interesting to try to get to the meat of the adventure. Like I don't plan on running a lot of sidetracks because I really want... Uh, I want people to enjoy the this story and I want to, um, you know, carve through it. So I, I plan on really diving into the meatiest parts of this adventure to really enjoy that. And that's just the way I'm taking it. Some people, if they're playing weekly games and they plan, they want to take a year, you know, some of these big hardback campaigns have taken me like 14 months with weekly games. So, you know, whatever that is, 60 sessions or something like that. So it can take a long time. I don't, I would like this one to be done in six months, you know, with every other week. So if I'm going to run it that fast, you know, I'm going to have to skip some stuff. And so far it's been working out. Um, so let's see, uh, what, what areas do I want to dive a little deeper into? Uh, if there's anybody in chat who has areas that they want me to dive deeper into from, from what I described, um, I think that, yeah, again, like the, the, the kind of traversing the dungeon of the dead three, uh, is a lot of fun on its own. It's a good, fun dungeon delve, right? A good, good dungeon delve. The character should be like, it says for level two, level two, level three, that's okay. I think I had them level halfway through and it could be tough. And the only, you know, the only real thing you want to do, there's lots of little bits of lore uh, you can drop into this. Uh, I had a series of secrets and clues that I would write out for each session that I wanted to learn. And for me, a really interesting story that I think you can sort of interweave uh, into the Dungeon of the Dead Three is the excavation of the Shield of the Hidden Lord. So, um, you know, if you if you imagine another sort of story that occurred, you know, six months ago, right? And so, six months ago, Thelmara um, um, Vanthemper, one of the Dukes of of, of Baldur's Gate, uh, you know, came out from you know a cell that she resided in down in her basement and said. She comes out of a vault and she says, I have learned something. There is an artifact sitting beneath Baldur's Gate and we need to get it. There is a tomb down there and we're going to excavate this tomb and we're going to find this artifact and it's going to bring glory to our house. And then she goes and finds uh, these members of the Cult of the Dead Three, right, that are still around. And she hires them. She says, I'll protect you and I will, um, I'll give you sort of political cover 
But in return, you're going to go down into this vault and you're going to dig this thing up for me. And she sends her sons down there, or at least one of her sons, Mortlock, goes down there. And he doesn't exactly see what they did, but they went and found these old sarcophagi with all these huge statues of these shield-bearing knights. And they found a sarcophagus and they opened it up. And the inside of the sarcophagus was lined with a metal. And this metal would burn. It burned them to touch it. Like it was hot, this weird shining metal that burned to touch. But inside they found something. And they quickly wrapped it up and brought it back to Thalmara. And Mortlock didn't see what it was. But it's some kind of powerful artifact. Uh, In truth, it is the shield of the hidden lord. And the metal that was inside, lining the inside of this coffin, uh, prevented its telepathic powers from leaking out. But as soon as the shield left the, the vault, it started spreading um, telepathically its corruption throughout Baldur's Gate, and it acted as like a seed of evil. Now, one of the things that characters can learn is that they can learn about the Knights of the Hidden Lord, right? And, and I'm playing on some lore. Some of this is true. Some of this isn't. There's actually a bunch of history. It goes back to second edition about the, the, the Knights of the Hidden Lord. And most of this is tied in, but I'm adding some details of my own that I think are really fun. So the Knights of the Hidden Lord were a, or the Knights of the, Hidden, uh, the, Knights of the Shield were a group that were primarily tied to a family known as the Hewn family. And the Hewn, they were given, they had an artifact in their possession, a shield. That's why they're a knight of the shield. And the shield spoke to them and it showed them futures, dark futures, where of, of tyrants and of um, necromancers and of horrible, you know, hags and sorts of, all sorts of terrors and would tell them where to stop these before they could ever occur. So it might say something like, a tyrant is going to be born in this village. Um, you need to raise the village and destroy it or the tyrant is going to come to power and rule over all this land. Or, you know, a, a, a terrible necromancer is going to be, is, is being raised in this village. You need to go there and prevent it. So it's making them go to these towns and burn the towns to the ground or go and murder children and do all these terrible things on the, under the guise that they are preventing evils in the future. So they might find somebody who's done basically nothing wrong at all and kill them. Just because the shield said that person that's going to do it is going to end up being like the the catalyst to this much greater event, right? And maybe the person themselves isn't heading that way. And they did this for centuries. And they were always looking around saying like the world has been a pretty good place because we've managed to stop these terrible things from going on. In reality, the shield is evil and it has a demigod in it named Gargoth. And it's possible that the inner circle of the Hunes and the Knights of the Shield knew about Gargoth. This this demigod, powerful demigod, you know, pit fiend demigod that lives inside of the shield. And the demigod just loves corrupting them for centuries, right? And finally, the Hunes either figured this out or they kind of died off and they sealed the shield up and, you know, knew, just wrap it in this aluminum foil and make sure that it can't speak to anybody else. And it did for hundreds of years until they... The, 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 the Vanthippers brought it up again. Now the Vanthippers brought it up and they stuck it inside of their vault and it's leaking out. It's sending these messages. It's corrupting people all over the place, right? Murders occurring every, everywhere. And Baldur's Gate is ripe for this. And it knows that like, if I can work with Krieg, I can get Krieg to make another deal and we can have a whole other city fall into hell. We can have Baldur's Gate go there too. So Krieg, Thavius Krieg is now down there in the vaults of Vanthipper Villa with the shield and is working to try to conduct these, these rituals that will, um, you know, that will, that will increase the pact or, or, or make a new pact or something like that. So all that story about the shield can be, can be given to them through history checks 
and through uh, information that they learn from the Cult of the Dead Three who is there and from Mortlock when they get a hold of Mortlock. And they can sort of piece this together. You know, you can hear about, like, I saw them opening up a coffin and inside was this hot metal and they touched and it burned. And I heard voices, you know, and then they could do other history checks. Like, who are the, who's the Knights of the Shield? You know, who were those people that they got it from? And they can learn little bits. So you can sort of sprinkle all these, like, tiny little pieces of that story uh, into their uh, excavation, into the, their, their, their exploration in the Dungeon of the Dead Three. Um, that can be really fun. Uh, and that can't even be tied to uh, backgrounds of the characters. They might know about the shield and they might know about the Hewns or the Knights of the, you know, you can, instead of making a skill check, maybe the character just knows about this group. Uh, maybe they thought they were a good group. One of the things is the Hell Riders. Are they good or evil? Well, the Knights of the, the Knights of the Shield, are they good or evil? Maybe many of them thought they were doing the right thing. And maybe they did a lot of things that were correct or, or right. But they also did these atrocities because they thought they were making the world a better place in the process. And then it turns out, no, you're not. You're actually just murdering people. Um, <clears throat> So that's something that's fun that we can do with the, the Cult of the Dead 3. Then again, the main, I'm going to just reiterate, the most important thing about their, their, their exploration of the Dungeon of the Dead 3 is learning that Thavius Krieg, the shield, the, the shield of the Hidden Lord, and the Puzzle Box are all at Vanthamper Villa, right? That's most important. They got to get to Vanthamper Villa and they got to acquire those three things. And, and you can plot like, well, why? Why do we need the Puzzle Box? Well, it has Infernal Runes on it. And those Infernal Runes in Thavius Krieg they either know something or they're responsible for what happened in El Terrell, and we need to figure out what's going on there. And what about the shield? Well, the shield, we think, is this poisonous seed that has caused all this evil throughout, and we need to get it out of Baldur's Gate and figure out what's going on with it and see if it's connected with what's going on with El Terrell. So those are important points. Again, I skipped the low-light tavern stuff. I, I just don't think it's particularly um, uh, particularly interesting, and it's just kind of a sidetrack. Like, if you want to expand the adventure, get, you know— 14 months of the adventure, you can run this, but I just went to the villa. And then the villa, we run like a heist. And one, one thing that I think works really well for the villa uh, is that the, um, uh, if, if Mortlock is allied with the characters at all, he can give them a copy of the player version of the map. So he can give them this map and say, here is a layout of my family's villa. Right, I, there's there are chambers below, but I've never really been down there. I just know they're connected to the sewers, but only our mother Thalmara goes there. And you can kind of point out these are the guest rooms. This is where my brother hangs out, my my other brother, and you know, and he can talk about all this stuff and say like, hey, I did see them uh, bring in a guy that looked like Thavius Creek. He doesn't know who Thavius Creek is, but I saw them bring in a guy that matches your description of Thavius Creek, and he's there, but I think he's down in the cellars, so he can give hints about where they're going to go. And then the players get to say, okay, we've got a layout. We know where things are. How are we going to break in? What are we going to do? And they could do a lot of things. My group did a weird thing where they got a, um, magic beans and they, and they used one of the magic beans and it caused this wine geyser. They actually had Rhea do it. Rhea caused a wine geyser in the front of the whole villa and all the guards went running around there and then they broke in through the back and they dealt with the, the I think they kept the, one of the brothers around. Um, but they got the puzzle box. They broke down into the sewers below. And then when they get in the sewers, they don't have a map of that. Uh, the next, the next big section. And that one is a, a you know, again, sort of an, another dungeon crawl. Um, and that can work really well. And then really there's just like two or three rooms. There's a room here in the center that they need to get to. And then there's a room with uh Krieg. And if the characters are kind of wandering about, they can start to learn more about what's going on there. They can either have NPCs or, or uh, prisoners that tell them where things are, or they might start to feel it. Like, you know, any of your arcana or divine uh, touched characters might feel that there is a power and they can sort of navigate like it's south of us. And they go, well, let's go south. Right. And then they find the chamber door and they break in, they see Krieg, 
they get the shield, they get the puzzle box. And, and a fun one is, what do they do with Thalmara? So Thalmara's down here worshiping a Zariel idol. And she might say, like, look, I'm the high duke of, of Baldur's Gate. Like, the duke is gone. You know, the other two, you know, I actually had one of the other two get assassinated during their time in Baldur's Gate. And that the other one was basically completely out of commission. And she's like, I'm ruling Baldur's Gate. Are you going to kill the, the one thing that's keeping Baldur's Gate from utter chaos? And the players had to decide, like, we know she's evil. Do we keep her around anyway? And they said, nah. And they killed her. So that meant they, they killed a duke of, of Baldur's Gate, right? And that was really interesting. And I think that will play back later. But right now, that was an interesting, you know, that to me was a, was a very interesting uh, thing to do. So, um, yeah, Thelmara. Uh, yeah, so, so that, that worked really well uh, up through there. Again, I really enjoyed the, the, the Dungeon of the Dead 3. I enjoyed their heist of uh, the villa. They got all this stuff. They go back to Rhea, and Rhea then, you know, again, it's sort of the, you know, it's a little railroady, right? It's like you have these big things to do. You get to decide how you're going to do them, where you're going to explore. But you're doing these big chunks in a series. Um, it's not a sandbox. I'm not running it like a sandbox adventure. I'm running it like big big steps, big chapters to to move forward. And you know, some people like that and some don't. This is not a uh, West Marches style game. This is a, has a big story and the adventure is following that story. And it works. I think it works. So the next, you know, I don't think, I don't think players mind when an, an, a strong-willed NPC says, we need to go to Candlekeep and talk to my friend there. They go, you know, they're generally like, yeah, okay. They don't have to go like, choo-choo. Yeah, like, they don't care too much. You know, they, they, they got plenty of options. So they go back to Elfsong Tavern. They talk to Rhea. They, Rhea begins to realize, holy cow, maybe Elturel's not gone, right? Maybe it's still around. Maybe we can do something about this. And she says, we need to take the shield and the puzzle box and go visit my friend Silvara in Candlekeep. And then you have that encounter, like I mentioned. One of the tricks about Candlekeep, and the, so if you think about the next couple of scenes that happen in chapter one, um, that the, um, there's, there, there are a lot of scenes that occur where the players, the characters can't do a whole lot. So the whole scene where the, where the puzzle box is opened, uh, if I recall, and I don't have the best memory for this, so we're going to take a look. But um, if I recall, there's not a lot of opportunity for the characters to do stuff, right? They can go and they can meet people um, and they can discuss stuff. But, and there's a lot of stuff to sort of see and people to meet, and that's cool. And But then, you know, she just opens it up, right? And I don't think it's like a lot of narrative. Like, look at all the flavor text, right? And well, what are the characters doing? They're just standing there like, huh, look, yeah, towers. And oh, oh you're going to open the box? Great. You know, <coughs> you know that sounds great. But they, they don't get to do much. So one of the things I had is that, that uh, Silvara needs help opening the puzzle box. And people who are trained in Arcana can help aid her in opening the puzzle box. And depending on the, and they actually make the check. And depending on how well the check goes, uh, it can like open up a rift into hell and demon or devils can pour out. And in my case, I had some spine devils pour out. I wish I had more. I had three spine devils and it should have been like five spine devils. Um, and then the other people that are not there helping to open up the box are actually fighting off spine devils that are pouring out of a hole in them, you know. And it gives them this, like, oh, my God, this thing is powerful. And it's got some dimensional portal stuff, and it's creating this rift, and these spine devils are coming out. And um, so it's a nice way to throw a battle in and into a bunch of scenes that might otherwise just be heavy narration. And the act of working with Silvara to open up the box and gives them something to help with. They get to do stuff. 
Um, the other part is when they're exploring the, um, you can kind of do a downtime, a little bit of a downtime uh, scene where the characters can explore Candlekeep. They can either do, you know, Arcana checks or history checks. They can learn about stuff. They might learn more about the shield and the Knights of the Shield and what's going on there. They might learn more about Zariel and Zariel's fall and uh, the Zariel and the Hellriders. And um, they might learn more about Elturel itself and the vampires that ruled over there and stuff like that. And then they might also shop, right? There's there's a bunch of shops in Candlekeep and they might, they're, they're certainly going to want to. And I, as a DM, I told them like, you don't know the next time you're going to be at a shop ever, right? So you probably want to make sure you're stocked up. And one of my players was awesome. And she said, I wonder what kind of things people would want in hell. What about scented soaps? What about chocolate? You know, what about like a nice mirror? Uh, what about clean, clean handkerchiefs? And she made this awesome list of like the things you can't find in hell. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be so awesome. Offering Mad Maggie a nice scented bath bomb is going to be the best thing ever, right? So, boy, she was great. And and, and the, my, the player that made this the, these options up were just great. I just loved it. And, um, so yeah, so you can kind of have this sort of shopping for stuff. And I, I had it where one of the players, you're like, you, you know, the other question. Yeah. So I had other players that, that, you know, bought other stuff. Um, there is one question, which is, uh, what about the shield? And the, the, the adventure as written exposes the, the truth of the shield quite a bit. Uh, but you could instead skip that and have the origin of the shield and what it possesses come out over time. It's kind of fun to say it's a sinister thing. And certainly the players might get the idea, well, the, the shield was a poisonous seed. But in my game, I had it that the shield said, they have been corrupting my power and using it for evil, but I'm actually good. And it keeps thinking like, I got more hewn people and I'm going to tell them how to save the world. And really they're taking it apart. So you can have, but my players have started to figure out this thing's not as good as it sounds. So you get like hints of its villainy, but the players still don't really know what's going on with it. And that's something that can play out long over long times. I love having either evil or uh, sinister, intelligent magic items that are willing to work with the characters um, and that the characters are willing to work with, you know, like what, what can the shield give them that they need? Besides a plus two bonus and resistance to fire, which is pretty awesome. And a lot of min-maxing players would be like, I don't care how evil the shield is. Like plus two bonus and resistance to fire, I'm on board. Um, but it can also give them information that's useful. And to me, a really great, if you think of it as a villain, like I consider the shield of a hidden lord one of the villains, right? One of the main villains. And it has a goal and its goal is to escape the shield, right? And it's trying to figure out how to escape the shield. And now it returns to hell and it tries and it fails. That's in chapter two. Um but to me, the best villains are ones that offer the characters exactly what they want. And they're honest and forthright because they know the characters will see through their BS. So Strahd, I had this wonderful scene with Strahd where he told the players, I can get you out of here. I can give you money. You can leave the environment and we don't have to fight and I don't have to kill you and everything will be great. And all you have to do is give me, um, what's her name? Uh, Irina. You know, all you have to do is, is, is give Irina to me and, and then Irina and, and I won't hurt anybody else. And Irina was like, I'm willing, if you are willing to do this, I am willing to do it too. I'll stay with him if it means saving lives. And, um, and the party was like, wow, should we do that? And they're like, one player's like, no, we're 
talking to a vampire. No, we're not going to accept this. And they attacked. And it was great. Yeah, I thought that that was um, awesome. And I want to do something like that with the shield. Like, what can the shield, the the continuing question I'm always going to ask is, what can the shield offer them that they really want to show that he is a valuable member of their party? When the reality is he just wants to come true. But he he has things. He has knowledge that I'll give. He has paths that he can take. He knows everything. But what will he tell them that that they want to know? So I think that that's really a fun uh, a fun way. And and exposing the villainy of the shield too early. At what point when they say, you know what, let's just fly over the Sea of Swords and drop it into the water. You know, and you're like, well, Krakens are going to get evil and they're going to come. And, you know, but like we... Part of it is like, it's sort of like the one ring. You can't just throw it in the river. It's going to come back. Bad people are going to find it and terrible things are going to happen. It's your burden. You got to take it. You got to find a way to get rid of it. And of course, you're taking it to hell. You're like, well, it can't be as bad as everything else in here, right? Like what's one more arch devil in hell? There's already a bunch. So uh, that can that can worry. Uh, Handyman says, are you considering what to do if they actually try to free him? No, but I, I don't think the party, I don't really have to worry about that, but that might be something other people have to worry about. And I don't know, you play that by ear, right? What what does the Gargoth want? And it wants to get free. And if they are willing to do it, he's probably, if they are willing to free him, he could probably be a whole path of his own of like, here's, we need to find out where, you know, and this is more chapter two and three, right? Of get the Sword of Zariel, right? And he was like, look, I'll give you, if you free me, I'll get you the Sword of Zariel. And then he's free. And like, you just created a new arch devil. It's sort of like, you could take the bell, the whole bell storyline, throw out bell and put Gargoth in there. And now the new ruler of, of hell is Gargoth. So there's lots of fun things that you can, that you can do there. Uh, so yeah, the big thing is like making sure that the players have things they can do in all of these scenes of narration. I think helping, uh, helping Silvara open up the puzzle box is a good one. I think, uh, exploring candle keep and getting more information is important. Uh, sort of getting into like a negotiation and a conversation with Traxador, I think it'd be good. I don't think you have to spend a lot of time with Traxador, but I think it could be fun that like you have to sort of convince him to do it. And, um, you know, I think that that could be a good time. Oh, and the other one, and I, God, I keep forgetting is, uh, Lulu, like introducing Lulu. I screwed up and introduced her Lulu early and then I had to retro, I had to do some retro stuff. Um, but yeah, Lulu is an important NPC that, I mean, she's vital to the adventure. Um, so you have to uh, uh, make sure that Lulu shows up and that, that Lulu gets a nice connection, a nice bond with the characters. That's an important one. I have not done that particularly well. But luckily, my players took Lulu. They like Lulu, um, and, and she's going she's gonna to help. And you also don't want to, like, oversell Lulu and then, like, oh, I bet she's way important in this adventure. Mm. Oh, she's an elephant, and Zarya wrote a war mammoth. Mm. So you want to be a little bit careful with that. But I think that... Uh, keeping Lulu in play uh, and and introducing her at the right time and getting the right connection with the right character can make a big difference that she can sort of act as a, um, you know, she could sort of act as like a companion to one of the characters and I would downplay the stats and I would downplay her abilities and stuff like that. Like when the narratively works, that's like, maybe she needs to save the party. Maybe she manages to save the party with a little bit of magic, but um, yeah. So, uh, um, Zareth says, how to thread the needle with Lulu is my biggest source of anxiety right now. Yeah. And I haven't dealt with like, how do you deal with Lulu in hell yet? Cause she just got there. Um, but just making sure to introduce her, I think was important. So that, that's kind of a big piece. So I think that that pretty much covers, uh, what, you know, how, how I ran, uh, chapter one and how a uh, chapter one of descent into Avernus and how it worked for me. And the recommendations, just to quickly summarize 
my main sort of recommendations on this. Um, one, make sure your characters are are generated with a strong connection to Elturel and to Rhea Mantelmorn and to the Hellriders. And if you do that, all of the motivation problems with this adventure tend to go away. If they're connected with those and they see Elturel fall and they love Rhea and want to help her, they'll go to hell without any question and they will travel across hell with Rhea or not to recover the Sword of Zariel and try to save the day. Uh, that doesn't work if you try to run it just... I, I mean, it probably works for some people and it's probably just fine. Um, but I, I don't think it's near as strong a connection to have the whole thing with the flaming fist mercenaries. So, and then two, I'd say, skip the whole thing with the flaming fist mercenaries. Just put it, you know, you can have them as background story, but don't worry about them. Uh, have them learn the, the vital pieces of information while they're traversing the, 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 the dungeon of the dead three. Those vital pieces of information are that Thavius Krieg, the shield of the hidden Lord and the, um, the puzzle box are being held at Vantiver Villa. That's vital. Uh, then skip the low light tavern thing. Uh, yeah, I think it's called low light tavern, right? Skip the whole ta- tavern thing and have the next big scene be them going to Vantaber Villa to acquire Thavius Krieg, the puzzle box, and the um, uh, the shield of the hidden lord. Uh, they get to decide what they want to do with um, Thelmar Vantaber. Do they kill her or not? They can also decide whether they kill Thavius Krieg or not. Um, my group killed both of them. And then the next step is to get to Candlekeep. Uh, have them go to Candlekeep. You can put in a little encounter in the way if you want. Um, in Candlekeep, uh, make sure that you give the players and the characters some agency to do some stuff there. In particular, they can help with opening the puzzle box. They can help fight back demonic or devilish invaders who show up and say, hey, where's Thavis Krieg? We had a deal with them. And then you're not Krieg, and then they get in a fight. Um, and then have him uh, teleport to hell. Have him go to meet Traxador and teleport to hell. And I think if you do all of that, I, I, I did it that way. And I tell you, like, when I read the adventure, I wasn't nearly as excited as when I ran it now. And now when I ran it with those things, I've really enjoyed it. And I felt like I've got a lot of good value out of that first chapter. I'm looking forward to chapter two. Uh, I think that uh, uh, having all of the scenes in El Terrell are going to be fun. And um, yeah, so I feel pretty strongly about uh, about how that works. So uh, those are my recommendations. Uh, I hope that this video is useful. Uh, I want to thank my, my friends here in, in, in uh, Twitch chat for their, for their thoughts on it. And uh, I will probably do another one of those, these videos maybe in a month or two. It's going to be a little while. I, I need to play through a whole chapter. Uh, before I'll stop and kind of summarize the whole thing. And I really want to play through it and see how it goes, not just offer my thoughts without having done it. So I hope this video is useful. I'm going to thank everybody for coming today. Uh, and I will see those of you who uh, watch the show regularly tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. on Twitch. I will be talking about my uh, Eberron game, my Eberron second morning game for my Sunday group. So we can talk about that then. So thank you all very much. Have a great Saturday and I will talk to you later.